Merry Christmas, friends, and welcome back. Love Actually is a 2003 film directed by Richard Curtis, and it stars Hugh Grant, Kira Knightley, Liam Neeson, Andrew Lincoln, Emma Thompson, Colin Firth, Bill Nye, Alan Rickman, R.I.P., Laura Linney, Chituel Ajifor, Martin Freeman, Rowan Atkinson, Billy Bob Thornton, and Thomas Brody Sangster. That is a cast and a half. This was the, like, OG 20 famous people in the one film set around all of them falling in love with each other during a holiday period. This was the OG movie of that sort. It preceded Valentine's Day and New Year's shitstorm, whatever that other one was called and whatever. There might have been a mother's... I don't know. All those other ones that came before. This is the OG and this one's actually genuinely good. It is a Christmas movie classic because it's not just about Christmas. As it says in the title, it's about love and it just happens to be set at Christmas time. And this is my girlfriend's traditional Christmas movie. So we've been together for three Christmases now, so I've now seen it three times. I had not seen it before she introduced it to me, and I'm really bloody glad that she has, because it is delightful, and I'm excited to talk about it. So, let's get into it. Okay, so despite this being a fun holiday rom-com Christmas movie, it's it's actually quite complicated once you break it down. So the enormous cast is divided up into like I think nine different storylines and they're all interwoven in the way that all the different characters loosely know each other. So like you'll have like... For example, right, um, Hugh Grant plays the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and his sister is played by Emma Thompson, who is married to Alan Rickman's character and Laura Linney works for Alan Rickman's character and, and like everybody, like somehow Liam Neeson knows Emma Thompson, I think because their kids go to the same school and then... Liam Neeson knows, like, does he, does he know Kira Knightley and, and Andrew, I get so confused. And then like a bunch of the people live on the same street and then like Martin Freeman is, is a stand in for a porn actor and the guy who's directing or like doing a bit of work on the porn film knows Chris Marshall's character and then, like, they all see each other at the airport at the end, and they're like, hey, I know you, and, like, it's, it's quite complicated. 
but it really it works really well so the start of the movie is is the start and the end of the movie actually is all footage of people meeting and greeting each other at Heathrow Airport, like around the holidays. And you know, it's a you know the the idea of the movie is just about loving each other, not necessarily loving each other around Christmas, but just loving each other in general and all the different types of love that there are. Like, oh, excuse me. Oh, two in a row. Um, th- there isn't just like spousal love in this show. There's like paternal love and friendship love and like sort of forbidden love. And you know, like there, there are all sorts of different kinds of love going on. And it's really, it's got a really, really nice message. And like some of the storylines are just sort of for laughs. Some of them aren't even like very happy. Some of them are a bit sad, but they still relate to love. And like a real, like it's, well, it is not a, you know, it's not a really serious, hard hitting drama type film. It's a comedy, mostly a romantic comedy, but it really explores the concept of love quite deeply. And I think it should be applauded for that and at the same time it is very enjoyable so let's talk about all the different uh storylines and i'll talk about the ones that i like the most and then the other ones that are just kind of there you know so first up we've got hugh grant's character so he is the prime minister he isn't married doesn't have any kids and at the start of the movie, he's just become the Prime Minister, he's the new new PM, and he's meeting all his staff, and he meets one of his staff named Natalie, you know, she's a young, pretty girl, she's kind of like his assistant, I think, she, does, she has some sort of minor job working at Downing Street, right, and they kind of get their float on a bit, Hugh Grant's his, like, awkward... And also kind of charming self. Um, pretty much all the characters that he ever plays. Just like, you know, the very like sort of handsome British, like slightly awkward, but, you know, still very dashing, you know, very, very familiar character to him. But that's what he's like. And, you know, she thinks he's cute. He thinks she's cute, but he's the prime minister and she works for him. So how could they do that? And then there's this one sequence where Billy Bob Thornton rocks up and he's playing the president of the United States. So he's come to England to meet the new PM and he's a bit of a hound dog. He's a bit of a perv. So at one point he sort of, he's, he tries to make a move on Natalie and Hugh Grant sees them and gets really upset. And then he tries to start a war with America, basically. It doesn't really happen. But, you know, him getting really cross at... Billy Bob Thornton making a move on his girl is what prompts him to, you know, ask her out on a date or, you know, I mean, he's the PM. You don't really ask you to say we're going out on a date. But anyway, and I like his story a lot. It it is mostly separate from all the others other than that he's Emma Thompson's brother. But yeah, it doesn't, it isn't interwoven with a lot of the other stories. Like some of the others are, and then there is the storyline with Kira Knightley, Andrew Lincoln, and Chitwell 
Chitawel Ejiofor. Try to say his name correctly. Um, so, Kira Knightley and Chitawel Ejiofor are just married. They get married at the start of the movie. And Andrew Lincoln is... Look, Ejiofor's character is named Peter. I'm just going to call him Peter. So, Andrew Lincoln's character is Mark, and he's Peter's best friend. Right? Mark films their wedding, and then Kira Knightley, Juliet, comes asking for the footage. She's like, oh, you know, I want to see the video of all my wedding footage. And Andrew Lincoln's like, no, no, you don't want to see it. It's cool. Don't worry about it. No, no, it's, it's, you know, I lost it. Or, you know, it's not good. It was shit. You know, don't worry about it. But it turns out that he is completely in love with his best friend's wife. And the reason he doesn't want her to see the footage is because it's all very, like... I don't even know how to describe the way that he filmed it, but it's all close-up footage of her. But it isn't, like, creepy. It's really quite lovely, the way that he's filmed it. It's all her smiling, and she is glowing. And, like, she's so cinematic. (laughs) But, like, like, I I don't know how he did it with, like, just a little video camera, but she's filmed so gorgeously. It, it's it, you can tell it's been filmed with a lot of love and then eventually she does see the footage and it's a very awkward interaction between the two of them and he basically is like i'm gonna go peace out i'm just gonna leave you with this revelation that i'm completely in love with you but you're my best friend's wife and he's just like see ya <laughs> but then later in the movie he rocks up at their house she answers the door he says don't say anything Right, and he, it's it's probably the most famous scene in the movie. He's got all these big white cards with a message written on it so he doesn't have to speak. So she can stand at the door and say that someone else is there. And he just has all these cards, you know. It's like, you know, because it's Christmas, I'd be like, I should be honest with you. I think you're perfect. You know, he pours his heart out. But it's very, it's very, very nice. It's probably my favourite scene in the movie. Um, but obviously... They can't be together. She's just married his best friend. She's obviously very much in love with with Peter. And like while while he is nuts about her, he also respects that Peter's his best friend. They're married. He doesn't want to butt in and, you know, try to take his place or anything like that. So she, you know, he goes to leave. She gives him a kiss, which I think is not so much cruel as it is it's quite kind like they they are both well aware that nothing's ever going to happen or at least for the foreseeable future nothing can happen so it's it's just a very nice gesture to give him a little kiss that would mean the world to him and i i like their little story quite a lot because like there is a lot of it's one of the more relatable stories i think everybody at some point in their life has been in love with, or, you know, maybe you're a teenager and you you feel what you think is love. Maybe at that stage in life, it is love. Like everybody knows that when you're a teenager and you think you're in love with someone, it's usually not what really what love feels like, but it's as good as you can get at that age. You get what I mean? But everybody at some point has had very, very strong feelings for someone who they could never be with for whatever reason. So it's one of the more relatable stories. And 
I, I really like that scene with the cards. I think that's really, like, it's very romantic. It's, yeah, it's just really nice. And then we have another one of the best storylines in the film is Liam Neeson and Thomas Brody. How do you say his name? Thomas Brody Sangster. He's one of the you know the the skinny guy. He's in Game of Thrones and lots of other things. He's like thirty five, but he looks like how he did when he was when he was ten. Anyway, um, so they play father and son, and Liam Neeson's wife has just died. Actually, no, I should say stepfather and stepson, because Liam Neeson married um, the boy's mother. Character's name is Sam. I'm not going to say his full name every time. So Sam and Liam Neeson is Daniel. So he married his mum and then his mum died. And he Liam Neeson has to try and figure out how to get his stepson through this without the whole experience ruining his life. So he's, you know, he's got, you know, quite a big burden. It's, you know, he hasn't known this kid for very long, at least we're led to believe. Um, at least definitely hasn't known him for his entire life. So he's like, oh, you know, how, is this kid going to, you know, be able to love me? Am I going to be able to relate? You know, all that, right? It's a, you know, understandable dilemma. And he goes to try to, you know, see if Sam is okay. He, you know, he sits him down, tries to talk to him. You know, he doesn't know... Because men suck at all this stuff, right? So he doesn't know if he wants to talk about his mum. He doesn't know what to do. So he sits him sits him down, and then Sam's like, oh, "I got I got something to tell you." He's like Liam Neeson goes, "Yeah, yeah, you can tell me. Come on, let's talk about it." He's trying to get him to open up, and then you know, the, the boy goes, "I'm in love," and he's like, "What? Aren't you too young to be in love?" And he goes, "No, like, <laughs> of course, a little kid." would do that. They've just told you they're in love and you go, you're, you're too young to be in love. They go, no, I'm not. I'm in love. Yeah. Anyway, th- th- their relationship develops into this absolutely adorable in- like relationship where Lee Mason is so encouraging. Like he, he, he says, if you're, if you're in love with this girl, you got to go tell her, you got to, you know, you got to do everything you can to be with her. So he 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 starts learning how to play the drums because rock stars get all the girls. And Liam Neeson's like, yeah, I, I bet Ringo even got laid, like stuff like that. It's a, it's very very funny and it's very heartwarming because even though they've both lost like someone they love very much, you know, mother and a wife, they are still able to bond and get through it using you know. It's kind of weird. The, the girl that he's got the crush on has the same name as his mum, which I think is an odd decision, but it's still cute that they can sort of have, that you know, bond in this way. And Liam Neeson is just, he's really adorable with this little boy, the way he encourages him. And at the end, the, the, oh, that was my tummy. Um, the girl that Sam has a crush on is an American exchange student. So at the end of the movie, there's the classic rushing to the gate at the airport scene. And Liam Neeson, you know, he gets him to he gets the boy to sneak through security to chase after her, and 
you know, he ends up catching up with her and she gives him a little kiss and it's all very nice. But yeah, I just, I really like that father-son relationship. That's the paternal love that I was talking about. See, even that, like it's a really cute little story, but it's got a really sad beginning. You know, it starts with his wife and the boy's mum dying, but that's the catalyst for them becoming really close, which I really like. Okay, and then and, and the next storyline is, so Emma Thompson, so that's Hugh Grant, the Prime Minister's sister, so that's how they're connected. She's married to Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is like this, I don't know, he's, he's, he's the boss in this office, right? Don't say ever what the office does, but he, he's, he's the, the manager of a whole heap of people, right? He's the boss, right? And he starts sort of having an affair with one of the women that works at his office. This woman is very sexually aggressive, like so sexually aggressive that it's actually off-putting. It's kind of bizarre that he actually like, you know, becomes attracted to her. He's like, I don't know, personally, if I was getting the attention, if I was getting that kind of attention from a woman, I would be very put off, especially if I was a married man. It's like, this is, this is not sexy or a turn on. This is actually kind of creepy and predator like, but, but anyway, you know, he, he is seduced by this younger girl and he, yeah, because it's Christmas, he, he buys her some jewelry and Emma Thompson sees the jewelry but then come Christmas, she thinks it's for her. Come Christmas Day, he hasn't given her any jewellery. So the suspicions that she already had about him having an affair are confirmed. When, you know, she saw that there was a jewellery present and it wasn't for her. She's like, oh, who the fuck's this for? It must be for that bitch, right? Um, and, and their story is actually the one that's pretty much only sad, like, they, they, I believe it is known that they end up getting a divorce, but that the love that's shown in their relationship is for the kids. So they have two young kids. You have two, one, two young kids. And the, the end of the film, he, he's coming, he's landing in London, coming from, I don't know where, but I think we're led to believe that they have separated, but they still come back together for the kids, which I like. So the love in their story, while the love that they shared has been severed or, you know, maybe just slightly broken or whatever, they still both love the kids so much that it trumps any problems they have with each other, which I think is really nice. Um... Laura Linney is another, not the woman that he has an affair with, but she works for Alan Rickman and she has a sort of minor, like, story of her own. Um, she is trying to live her own life, but she has a brother who's disabled. Um, he's just like, you know, he's in, he's in a, he's in some kind of home. He, you know, they never say exactly what he has. But he's you know got some kind of mental disability, and 
she she's she's trying to just live her own life like she's trying to hook up with this guy at her office that she likes she's just trying to do normal things but he's always calling her and asking her to talk to him about things or come and see him or whatever and obviously she's always going to do that because he's her brother and she at the very least would feel obligated obviously she loves him but she would resent him quite a bit for obvious reasons uh, there's this one you know there's a scene where she's finally come home with this guy from the office that she's really attracted to and then her brother just keeps calling her and it ruins their night but she really has no choice because you know the love that she has for her family no matter the circumstances trumps anything else that she wants to be doing which is also kind of relatable because i'm sure that you know there are lots of people who have family members who might be sick or you know have other issues or whatever and sometimes you have to give up other things in your life you know different you know leisurely activities whatever maybe it's going out on dates maybe it's playing footy on the weekends or whatever to spend time with your family so that's a relatable one as well it's one of the minor sort of side stories but it is a story that's in there and it's another it's another good one um oh what's another one so then there's colin firth and his story is actually probably my favorite i like his a lot he um i don't know if he's married or if it's just his girlfriend but he finds his partner cheating on him with his brother so he he goes away to this like holiday house or something that he has in France just to do some writing during the holidays and there's this woman who is hired to work in the house for him um she is Portuguese she doesn't speak any English and she's very beautiful and the two of them fall in love and his story is my favorite for a lot of a lot of reasons I just it it's enjoyable to watch it's very cute how they fall in love but I love that their relationship is able to blossom without them being able to communicate verbally. Like they can speak to each other, but neither of them can understand what the other is saying. And like it shows how much you can actually communicate and bond with someone without being able to speak to each other. And I think that's really lovely. Like, after they, oh, I keep bumping this bloody thing. After they've been, um, after she's been working at the house for a couple of weeks, they have this scene where they say to one another exactly how they feel, but in their own languages. So Colin Firth says it in English, and she says it in Portuguese, and there's subtitles. So they've just said to each other how much they are in love with one another, but neither of them have understood the words that have been said but you can sort of tell by the body language and the eye contact exactly what they're saying kind of like neither of them act on it but there is this sustained eye contact and the tone of voice there is a lot being conveyed despite neither of them being able to understand what the other said um so towards the end of their story, 
he returns to London, she returns to Portugal, and then they actually, well, so we see him going to these classes to learn Portuguese. Then he travels to Portugal, he finds her, and there's actually, it's quite a funny sequence. He goes to her house, says, you know, her dad answers the door. He says in broken Portuguese, I want to marry your daughter. So he takes, she goes, she's at work. And they, you know, walk down the street. All these people, that they form this big caravan of people, like, walking through the town. More people join. He's like, oh, yeah, such and such. Yeah, he's, this English man is going to marry um, Aurelia? Aurelia? Yeah, Aurelia is the, is the Portuguese girl's name. You know, they're going to get married and big, fancy English man. Maybe she can leave him and marry Prince William instead or whatever, you know. It's quite funny. And then they arrive at the restaurant where she works. And in in, in semi-broken Portuguese, he pours his heart out to her in front of all this people. The restaurant's full of people. There's about 50 other people that have added to their group and walked through the whole town. So they're all standing there. And... After he's given his whole speech, she responds in English. So while he has been learning Portuguese to speak to her, she has been learning English to speak to him. And it is fucking adorable. And then like the whole restaurant goes, yay, and they all applaud. And it's super cute. And it's it's my favorite because it's just gorgeous. And it just makes you feel good. And... I just there's something that I love about the idea of not being able to communicate, but the two of them still falling in love. I think that's really lovely. Um, and then there's a couple of funny storylines. So there's Bill Nye's character, who is like a a washed up rock star who is repurposed one of his old hits into a Christmas song by literally just replacing one of the words with the word Christmas and pretty much changing nothing else. And he's, you know, really, like, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Other than he, he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he says on radio, when he's, he's trying to get the song to number one over Christmas. He's like, if my song gets to number one, I'll do a performance on live TV completely naked. And you know, and he, you know, he says, of course the song's shit, but I still reckon we can get it to number one. And he says all this stuff, and. Like, I don't know why that story is there other than to just be funny. Like, the, the the love in that story is between him and his manager who, like, at the end of the at the end of the story, he's like, he's going around to all these parties to celebrate the song being number one, but then he comes back just to hang out with his manager because it's like, I love you, dude. You're my best mate. I just want to hang out with you. I don't want to hang out with Elton John. I want to hang out with you. So, like, that's kind of nice. But apart from that, it's just there to be funny, mostly, like. Bill Nye just being Bill Nye as a rock star, basically. Um, and then there's another kind of funny one where Martin Freeman, as I was saying before, plays a double for a for a porn actor um, in like what, may, what must be like the most high budget porno film ever shot because they're in these large high ceiling rooms, these big sets, like, I don't know what kind of porno they were shooting. Now, I didn't know that it was common for porn films to have, like, actors, like, 
needing doubles to like set up the lighting and stuff like that. But um, he and the, and the girl being the double for the porn actress, like, you know, they're sort of like, they have these really funny interactions where they're like pretending to be having sex while all these like cameramen are setting up the lights and getting them to stand in different positions and they just get to chatting and then like eventually he asks her out on a date and then we see at the end of the movie that they're getting married or they've got married and theirs is just kind of funny as well but it's just it's just I think the point of theirs is that kind of like the one with Colin Firth that you never know when the person is going to show up Right. What an absolutely random way to meet someone that you end up marrying. Like the two of you were pretending to have sex for a porno shoot. Like it's a hilariously random way to meet someone, but it's in there. It's funny. And it's also kind of cute. Like Martin Freeman is adorable. He was, is especially adorable in 2003. I like his story quite a lot. Um, I'll say as well, I'm just scrolling through like IMDb. Rowan Atkinson, I mentioned before, was in the film. He has two scenes in the film. He is the guy that works at the jewelry jewelry store who sells Alan Rickman the, the necklace or he tries to sell it to him. But he's got this very funny sequence where he's gift wrapping the present. He's like, would you like it gift wrapped, sir? And Alan Rickman's like, yes. He puts it in a box and then he puts the box in like a nice plastic bag and then he ties a ribbon around it. And then he's, he puts rosemary in and vanilla and glitter and a cinnamon stick. And like, he just makes this bouquet of (laughs) different scents and like the absolute most absurdly fancy gift wrapping you've ever seen. And it takes forever. And Alan Rickman doesn't want Emma Thompson to find out that he's buying this necklace like for anyone it's like please hurry up please hurry up he's like but sir you said you wanted it gift wrapped so he's still like he just takes and he's just being very much rowan atkinson and it's very very funny uh, like i'm sure when the film came out and he pops up halfway through everyone will be like ha ha ha, ha it's rowan atkinson ha 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 um, and then he's in the movie towards the end he is the guy going through security who Liam Neeson's son is able to sneak past because he's like, yeah, he's trying to get his boarding pass out and he just keeps handing all his stuff to the security guard. It's like, well, can you just hold this for me while I go? Can you just hold this as well? He's like, he's you know, opening up his coat and well, can you just hold my scarf as well? And so like he's just being the same kind of slow, annoying person, but also very polite at the same time. And it's just very funny. So I like... I like that he's in the film as well. Um, how many is that? That might be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, and then there's so Chris Marshall, his character, his character's name is Colin, I believe, and his story is also very much by itself. He plays this young British guy who's just trying to get laid. Right, and he's having a really hard time of it. Like, he can't hook up with anyone. And he's really frustrated by that, which is very relatable, right? And he decides, he has this genius idea. He's like, right, 
The reason I can't get laid here in London is because I'm the same as all the other guys. So I'm going to go somewhere where I'm not the same as all the other guys. I'm going to go to America. So he goes to America and like his story is the only one that is purely there for the funnies. Like it really, like there is not a whole lot of love. There's a lot of love making, but there is not a whole lot of love in his storyline because he rocks up in America. I don't even know where the hell he lands, but he ends up in some random bar in what looks like a small country town. And then he's immediately met by three gorgeous girls, like three like supermodel girls who all just happen to live in this small house. They all share a bed between the three of them. So if, you know, because he doesn't have anywhere to stay, he has to go to their house and sleep in the bed with the three of them. Oh, but it turns out there's also a fourth girl who is equally as beautiful as them, and her sister is Denise Richards, so there's a fifth gorgeous girl, and they're all going to have sex together, and, like, it happens the second he sits, he, like, he's come off the plane, he got in a taxi, he went to a bar, and then the second he sat down in a stool and spoke, some hot girl goes, oh my god, are you British? And then they all just have sex, which is exactly what travelling is like. No, it's not what travelling is like, but it, it's it's... Like, every guy's fantasy, like, especially, like, guys that live in the Western world. Like, say, you're Australian. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to America and all the American girls are going to think my Australian accent is so hot. Or, you know, I'm British. I'm going to go to Australia and all the Australian girls are going to think, you know, like, that's what we all imagine traveling would be like. And it's hilarious. It's and it's kind of unexpected how easily he's able to pick up these girls. Because if it was a normal rom-com, if it was like, you know, this is like an American Pie kind of situation. And like, if this was an American Pie film, he would start talking to these girls, but then he, you know, he might spill a drink on himself or he might accidentally, you know, he might get drunk and then vomit on one of them. Like something would go wrong, but everything goes so perfectly for him. It's like a dream. He sits down, talks to them for a few minutes. They keep introducing more and more hot friends and it just gets better and better and nothing goes wrong. And he brings one of them back to England, the one whose sister is Denise Richards. And then Denise Richards gets with his friend. So his friend's now making out with a hot... Like, it just goes so perfectly. And I find that very, very funny. And, and that's all of the stories. And it kind of ends with this big um, nativity play at the school where a bunch of the people's kids all go and, you know, Hugh Grant is there at the Prime Minister and he makes out with Natalie behind the curtains of the, you know, like the stage and then the curtains get opened and everyone sees them kissing and, you know, Emma Thompson's there and she's pissed at Alan Rickman and, like... I'd be pissed at Alan Rickman too if he wasn't a legend and dead. I feel bad for being pissed at him, but why didn't you buy something? Like, why'd you have to go and cheat on Emma Thompson? She's lovely. And he actually buys her a very, very thoughtful gift, which is the ironic part. But the fact that she knew of the existence of the necklace and that it went to someone else is what just ruined it. Damn it, Alan. God damn it. 
Anyway, it's 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 a really really nice movie, and I like now that I watch it every year around Christmas time. We watch that, and we watch um, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I will review next Christmas because that is my Christmas movie, and it's one of my favourite movies of all time. Okay, um, I'm going on holiday for a week, so I probably won't be doing a movie review next Monday. I'll probably start them up again in the new year. There's a couple more podcasts that I hope to get done before the new year, so I should get them done. At the very least, I'll get one of them done. Um, but yeah, it may be maybe radio silence from me for the next six or seven days because I'm away. Um, otherwise, yeah, thanks so much for listening today, guys. Thanks for listening throughout this year. Um, if I don't get to speak to you again before before the 1st of Jan, um, it's been a rough year for everybody and for, for a lot of the world, the, the rough times are going to continue into 2021, but we're all getting through it. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and leave reviews and follow the podcast wherever. You know how to do all that stuff. I'd really appreciate it. I will catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.